Hi, how are you doing? Uh, it's Jerry White here. I'm the founder of Jawbox 10 and I'm delighted to be here talking to Best of Belfast. We sat down with Jerry White, the founder of Jawbox Gin, a local company that is deeply rooted in the personality and character of Belfast. Last year, as you guys are aware, Belfast seemed to go absolutely gin-sane for the old drink that's definitely made a modern comeback. Jerry White has been in the bar game for many years, working at the John Hewitt, being the manager in John Hewitt, and is incredibly passionate about Belfast stories and, as you can imagine, gin. His story will get you fired up for the new year and all you want to achieve in it, and I know it definitely did for me. If you'd like to see a written version of today's show, along with photos and links of everything we end up talking about, you can check out our website, which is bestofbelfast.org. And other than that, guys, it's time to jump into today's show. Hope you guys really enjoy it. Jerry, what's the crack? Great to see you. Great, yes, great to be here, Matthew. Thanks very much for taking the time out to come on the show. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad of any opportunity to tell the story of Joe Boxing. That's Delighted great. Well, don't here. worry. That's what we're here to do today. Uh, the question we always like to spring on our guests at the very, very start is if you were to walk into an elevator and let's say Liam Neeson was in it and you had 30 seconds to ride up in the lift with Liam Neeson and he turns around and he says, who are you and what do you do? What would you say to him? What would your wee quick elevator pitch be? Um, oh, wow. Uh, Liam, what about you? Jerry White, uh, from the same country as yourself, uh, from Belfast, and the founder of Jawbox Inn. Would say, I just happen to have a bottle in my pocket. Would you like to try one? <laughs> Do you always carry a bottle in your pocket? Not always, but if it was, if it was and that, you never know. You never, sometimes we'll have a wee money trip, maybe. Yeah. All right, man. And tell us a wee bit about Jawbox Gin. Give us an overview. What is it? Jawbox Gin is uh, Belfast cut gin. Um, it's a gin that I've always been very passionate about. I've worked in the bar game for a very long time and the only sport that I've ever really liked has been gin. So when I went to, had the idea to develop and produce my own sport, uh, it had to be gin because it's the only sport I've had a passion for. Uh, Jawbox, the name comes from stories that I genuinely heard my grandmother speaking about, uh, the old Belfast sink and how people used to gather around the Belfast sink. Um, uh, everything was washed in it. And this was back in the day that not everyone would have had the privilege or pleasure of having their own kitchen or scullery. So there could have been a big Belfast sink that might have been shared between five or six families. Um, so people used to gather around it, tell their stories, tell their tales, uh, share the gossip, uh, <laughs> celebrate, commiserate. And uh, that was all done around the jaw box. And that's how the Belfast sink got the name, nickname the jaw box, because it was the jaws going around the box. <laughs> and to this Friday, if your friends around your house, for a drink or a meal uh, and people are having a drink after the dinner where does people end up standing in the kitchen around the sink enjoying a drink and, and enjoying telling those same stories so <clears throat> even the name Jawbox is very much rooted in uh, history of Belfast is there any other way that you've tried to weave that into your gin into your product 
Oh yeah, very very much so because as you were saying earlier, I'm very very passionate about Belfast as a city, and it's actually fantastic to see so many cranes and so many hotels getting built. And I mean, for Belfast Belfast to be named with all the the major sort of tourist industries like uh, Lonely Planet saying Belfast is the must go to city in 2018, um, and hopefully to play a very small part in in that growth. Uh, so other things that we introduced in the labelling was we have the Belfast coat of arms are on the front label uh, for anybody that has a bottle in front of them at the minute if they, <laughs> if they grab it and um, and they look at the inside of the back label you'll see there's an old black and white photograph and the reason I put that there that was Belfast's first proper gin palace it was the first bar in Belfast to have a proper gin menu to do gin cocktails and they actually import gins from around the world and um, Unfortunately, the bar only stood for 25 years. It was a really ornate, beautiful bar, apparently. Uh, but it was bought over by the Bank of Ireland because they wanted to build their head office in that site. And that bank actually, the big, it's known as the White Bank at the corner of North Street and Royal Avenue. And the bank still stands there today. So it's, there's loads of wee things sort of we try and, and bring in to, to tell the story. Um, the integrity of the gin was actually very important to me. So I couldn't call it Belfast gin because it's uh, distilled in Kirkhoban, only half an hour outside Belfast. Beautiful, beautiful uh, distillery there at the Acknonville Distillery. And the guys there have the same passion uh, for producing the gin as, as I did from the very offset. Um, so what I put on the bottle instead was Belfast Cut. Because uh, I always remember as a child, if you were walking down the street with your mummy and daddy holding their hand and an uncle or a friend of the family would come up and they would uh, come up and go to you, the cut of your dad, or you're the cut <laughs> of your ma, which meant you're the best bit. Um, and the best bit of the gem that comes off the pot still goes in to the bottle. And to me, that was always the Belfast cut, the best bit. So that's where we get the Belfast cut from. Brilliant, cool. And when it comes to the bottle itself, you know, if you're looking at a bottle of job box on the shelf in comparison to other things out there, um, it looks differently, like even the bottle itself. Why is that bottle different or what does that bottle look like? Obviously, this is an audio show described to some of our listeners what that looks like. Well, the nice thing, I mean, I, I, I was walking about with the dummy sample bottle for about two years before Jawbox came out and I was determined it had to be that bottle. Um, it's an old medicine style bottle. And the funny story is when I went to the guy that does Richard Wren, an amazing, absolutely fantastic guy that looks after all the Branton for Jawbox, and I'd said to him, and never in a million years am I going to try and tell you your job, but it has to be this bottle. And uh, Richard just went over to his desk, opened the jar, and lifted out the exact same bottle. Unbelievable. And there's sort of <laughs> hers in the back of your neck standing up, because, you know, this is all starting to fall into place. This is true. So the the, the reason for the old Madison-style bottle was because it used to be back in the day that people would have used the excuse for drinking gin for medicinal purposes, um, that it was good for you and it cured all sorts of heels <laughs> back in the day. Um, so that was the reason for the old style medicine bottle and um, the labeling I didn't want anything new or modern. I wanted something that reflected back in, back to the day when people used to roll up their sleeves and get stuck in. Back to industrial Belfast. Um, and I think we achieved that with the, the old Victoriana style label and the very rich black and gold sort of typefaces and, and, and the whole sort of branding. Um, and it, it looks as if it's been a gem that's already been uh, sitting on the shelf for about 50 years, which has actually proved to be the case because I've actually had people come up to me and um, are arguing that they were drinking Jawbox years ago <laughs> when actually we're not even two years old yet because uh, we launched Jawbox on 22nd of February just last year, 2016. 
so to have that sort of people sort of relating to it so soon and so quickly. Um, I think the best description anybody ever gave to me was uh, a fellow from the trade and the way he described it was he says the bottle and the branding has incredible shelf shout where it just shouts at you from the shelf and it's it's a branding that actually would almost appeal to guys and to sell gin to guys isn't the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, I remember, and I've always, I've always enjoyed and loved gin. And uh, but when back in the day, when I went out with my mates, um, and they were all drinking a pint of Guinness and their vodka and coke, and they would go, "Jay, what are you having?" And if I said, well, "I love a, a gin and tonic," <laughs> and they would look at me and go, "Well, you can ask for that yourself. You're yeah. not asking for that." Hard things have changed. You know, yeah. it's incredible, uh, and the quality of gin is there, and the brands are there, and we have some amazing. Uh, really excellent craft gins out there definitely and i would just have to say like a real testimony to your branding i was under the impression that jawbox was some sort of an institution you know that's been around for ages and it just shows you uh what a great job you guys have done uh you're talking about how things have changed in terms of you know gin seems to be in right now uh why do you think that is you know in terms of belfast food and drink two things that seem to be really in right now are burritos and gin people seem to be going crazy for those things why think, well in the case of gin i think the quality has certainly increased there's no absolutely no doubt about that people travel more so people are a wee bit more experimental with under palace and what they'll try to drink but i think it's it's a lot of it may have to do when i when i started jawbox it was pure luck that when jawbox was ready to hit the shelves that the gin craze was just beginning. I didn't start Jawbox because of the gin craze. It was just absolutely pure luck. Um, but I think a lot of it's actually got to do with the craft beer because craft beer introduced people to locally produced, really well-made products. Um, and it didn't mean paying that wee bit extra as long as the quality was there and the product was where it should be, really. Um, and I think the same thing's happening with gin. And there's people that when I'm out doing sampling or I'm doing Jawbox gin nights and people come up to me and, you know, I have never drank gin until I tried Jawbox and I just tried it because somebody says to me, it's not like gin used to be. Ah. Um, it's not overly perfumey. It's it's really, really smooth. There's nothing harsh about it. And one of the other things we do with Jawbox to get away from the whole gin and tonic thing, because a lot of people, their first experience of drinking gin would be a gin and tonic. And a lot of people don't realise it's the tonic maybe they don't like and not the gin. Yeah. So the serve with uh, Jawbox is Jawbox and ginger ale. And it's a completely different drinks experience. It's really easy to drink, maybe a wee bit too easy to drink. <laughs> um, but and again, another nice story that leads back to Belfast is that ginger ale was invented in Belfast as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, there used to be used to be a company in Belfast called Gratton and Co. And Gratton and Co. were the world's biggest producers of what was then called aerated water. We now called sparkling water or soda water. Um, and they employed a guy called Thomas Cantrell. And Thomas Cantrell was a pharmacist who was working with ginger syrups for people with upset stomachs. So he said to himself, this is amazing. You've got this really high quality sparkling water and I have this really high quality ginger syrup. Let's do a bit of research and development, <laughs> mix the two together. And he came up with ginger ale. So the world's first ever ginger ale and I've done as much research as I can, and it keeps coming up, was Grattan's Belfast Ginger Ale. Um, a few years later, he met a guy called Henry Cochran. Henry Cochran, that, that was down at a trade show in Dublin. They became the best of mates, formed a co- company called Cantor and Cochran, later to be known as CNC, um, and started then 
left Grattan's, started up on their own, had a very successful business. Then they employed a guy called William Ross, and William Ross worked for them for approximately about eight years, and then had a big row, big dispute. He got a settlement for £3,250. But you have to remember, this is back around about 1817. And pretty big, isn't So it? it was a lot of money then. He opened, then opened up, said it, well, I'm going to go out and do it myself. Um, I can do it better than these guys. <laughs> Went out and opened William Ross and Sons. And by 1820, just three years later, he was the world's biggest producer of ginger ale. And by then, he was producing well over 30,000 bottles of ginger ale a day. Plus, plus, he was making other flavoured soda drinks as well. But the ginger ale was his biggest commodity, and he was shipping that all around the world. So quite, you know, although Belfast was famous for shipbuilding, rope works, linen works, we were equally as famous for our ginger ale as well. There you go. So it's another nice, not only is it a a perfect mixer for Jawbox, but again, it's another lovely wee story about Belfast back in the day. Yeah. And what is going on with all of this honeycomb and gin? The honeycomb, right? The honeycomb. The honeycomb <laughs> is a story on its own. A beautiful girl, Canadian girl, Avril, who works in uh, Muriel's. And Muriel's wanted to do their own Pacific house surf that was uh, unique to them. Now, believe it or not, they actually didn't do honeycomb. They done what's called yellow man. And yellow man's a lot denser and maybe not just as sweet as honeycomb. So it didn't dissolve in the drink just as quickly. And they would put a thin shard in. And what's the um, difference, bacon soda? Or? I think it's the bacon soda, okay. yeah. The bacon soda opens it up so it becomes more bubbly and would dissolve a lot quicker. Um, so... For some reason, I don't know why, it's, it just seemed to catch on and everybody started doing it. And I think nearly every photograph, um, or certainly 95% of the photographs on Instagram relating to Jawbox have honeycomb. Yeah. Um, and people seem to love it. Sweet tooth. It wouldn't be, and I, I make no secret of the fact that it wouldn't be my choice, but I have to embrace the fact that people like it. Um, if I get the chance, I always try and get people to try it without the honeycomb first. If they want to add it afterwards, brilliant. I was at a, I remember I was at a trade show in Scotland and um, busting for a drink after the show about seven o'clock. And I went, found a gin bar, looked up in Google, found lovely gin bar in Edinburgh. Went and was delighted, absolutely delighted to see a bottle of jaw box middle shelf behind the bar. Asked the barman for a jaw box and ginger. <laughs> which he then proceeded to set up in front of me with half a ton of honeycomb in it. Wow. So I'd asked him, I said, like, mate, brilliant and all that. He's people have to ask, why did you serve it like that? And he was quite adamant that that's the way it was meant to be served. Um, <laughs> I was tempted, I was almost tempted to go, no, I don't think so, mate. <laughs> and I was really tempted to go, do you know who I am? But I, take I, your I, mask yeah. off. Like. So, um, <laughs> but I resisted and just sort of removed the honeycomb. So a lot of bars now are actually serving maybe the honeycomb on the side and giving the customer the option. But it is, it's certainly a lot fresher, a lot more uh, vibrant without without the honeycomb. But yeah. as I say, it's up to each individual, uh, what how they enjoy their, their job box then. I'm just delighted that they're enjoying it. Exactly. And as long as they're enjoying it responsibly, of course. Yeah. Uh, help us clear something up because, you know, there always is a lot of stuff flying around. People have said that they've thrown out some crazy numbers. I'm not going to quote any because I can't remember. But they say that the production of honeycomb has gone up insanely in Belfast. And a lot of people think it's because of gin. Yeah. Um, I uh, A few mates of mine had actually said just basically what you said there and uh, I, I was intrigued by it so um, I said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the phone because what that actually said to me was that Auntie Sanders in Belfast, the candy factory was a brilliant family run business and um, 
And they said they were constantly running out of honeycomb because the bars were ringing up and ordering bags and bags of honeycomb to put in jaw box in. And so I had to ring. Curiosity got the better <laughs> of me. And I rang up and it says, look, this may sound really random, really strange. I said, but I'm hearing it that you're constantly running out of honeycomb. And the wee girl at the end of the phone, she went, oh, master, you have no idea. She says, oh, my God, it's going crazy. And I had to go out and buy an orange machine to make honeycomb. So a few months later, I'd actually got a call from Jim, the father, uh, runs a business. And they invited me out to see the process. And then, and this is quite a few months ago, he was telling me that the production of honeycombs went up 300%. Wow. And that they're now making wholesale bags. I think it's 10 kilo bags of honeycomb. 10 kilo. Which the, the bars are... Or ban out sort of to have and stock in the bars, which is amazing. It you know, it's, amazing. It's, so another business has got generated more business from it, which is a, a lovely thing as well. Yeah, awesome, very cool. Uh, I want to go back a wee bit here. At the start, you said that you spent a lot of time in the bar game. Uh, tell us a wee bit about that. What bars did you work at? How'd you start off? Well, the, the last bar I worked in, I was actually general manager of the John Hewitt Bar, which is a an amazing pub uh, with a great ethos. Uh, it's run and owned by the Belfast Resource Centre. So all the profits from the bar go back in and then that's used uh, for different community projects that wouldn't have attracted government funding. So I was very proud and it was a great honour to be general manager of that so pub. So the bar's a non-profit? The bar's a non-profit. Oh, the bar obviously makes a profit. Yeah, but, yeah. What, but what it does with a profit is, I mean, that's there's no gaming machines, there's no poker machines, there's no DJs. It's all promoting uh, live music, uh, wholesome, good, locally sourced cooked food. Um, and then we had monthly, well, still do, have monthly art exhibitions based to promote local uh, artists. Brilliant. So it's a great part of the whole Cathedral Quarter community. And it was, it was a real honour to be the manager there. Um, I just left February this year. This would have been coming into my 12th year as manager. So it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision to make, but I just, I just felt that I needed to do something to give myself a, a challenge. And that, that's why I brought the whole uh, job Gen project forward. So on that, what was it that made you take that step and decide to start your own business, start your own gin of all things? You know, what what was the... Well, gin, it was gin because gin genuinely is the only spirit that I'm uh, passionate about. And I think you have to have a genuine passion because, believe me, since I, I left the bar, I've been working seven days a week, days and nights, but I'm enjoying it because it's for a project that I set up myself. Uh, I suppose if I'm honest, the real reason was I'm 60 next year and <laughs> I went... If I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Yeah. And I wanted to at least give something a go that I could be proud of. Um, I've never been money orientated, so it wasn't for money to be to make lots of money. It was more to have a product that I was really, really proud of. And I suppose if I'm honest, um, to have a product that has my name on it that'll be here long after I'm gone, that would be that would be a real sort of achievement. Um, it would be nice to think that people are sort of still saying cheers with Jawbox when I'm long gone. Yeah. So uh, that's cool. Nice like legacy. Because I was I was doing <laughs> I was doing the event for a, a chain of off licenses and I wanted them to visit some of the off licenses, and I, I called in the one, and the guy sort of was a wee bit. Strange and who I was, yeah, and I explained it was Jerry with the guy who found the job box, and he didn't believe me, yeah. <laughs> so I convinced him, and then he was really, really sucked. And he turned around and he went, It's like Jack Daniels walking in here, <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I wish. Um, so I thought that, that was really lovely, sort of for him to think that way that 
Um, so that was well, well chuffed by that. So that's cool. I think you've just uh, you've just created a new nickname. You're going to be Belfast Jack Daniels from now on. <laughs> well, no, I said, well, I seen Jawbox Jerry seems to have stuck, and um, I'll, 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 I'll cope with that. So, um, but no, it's it's brilliant how people have taken Jawbox to their hearts and and talk about it as if it has been a product that's been out for years and I think that's a massive achievement to make in such a very short short space of time and I am very proud of the project because um, as I say the bottle the branding is actually brilliant as it is it's actually the contents of the bottle that'll determine whether you sell another one or not and the repeat business that we're getting is way beyond all our expectations but certainly very very proud of it that's brilliant and you should be proud to go back and sort of ask about maybe things that you've learned over this two-year journey. You know, if you could take yourself out for you know, a glass of gin, let's say three years ago before all this started, what advice would you give yourself? Knowing um, what you know now, yeah. hindsight being 2020. I'll be honest with you, I mean, I've always maybe had a bit of entrepreneurial spirit, as you say, so I've had other businesses in the past that didn't go as well as what this one's going. And I think the reason, and the one thing that I have learned is the other businesses I tried to do 100% by myself. I think the, the reason, without no, without any doubt, the reason that Jawbox has been so successful is the people that I have involved in the business and have become my partners in the business who are experts in their own field. And I've let them, I mean, the Stephen who looks after the distribution from Dingsology is highly respected in the field of work that he does and, and as other distributors he's highly highly respected so when he goes to the likes of Marks and Spencers and Tesco's and Asses and the big multiples um, they're going to take him seriously um, Richard who does all the brand is without any doubt world renowned um, he does branding for Paris Whiskey Jamison's Absolute Vodka he's designed the bar for Claridge's in London he done the guy, the bar for the guys in New York the Black, uh, the dead rabbit and the black tail so I, I couldn't wish for more Shane yeah. who's got Actonville Distillery makes a multi-award winning whiskey Dunville's whiskey so without any doubt I have the best of the best I couldn't wish to be working with a better team of people and to have them involved and that's why Jawbox has been such a success Jerry, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for a pint who would you take dead or alive oh my god I don't know. I just I just enjoy socialising and going out, <laughs> going, out, going out for a pint. Um, Martin Lynch is a great guy. I love Martin Lynch, uh, the playwright. Martin Lynch is great crack and a very passionate person about the city. I think anybody who's passionate about the city um, is always good company and I get to sit and talk to all day. Um, and we have some really, really amazing people here. Um, and I don't really even like naming people because I'm sure I'm leaving loads more out um, who will curse me for this for forgetting about them uh, but no no I mean you could have you could have a, a really good dinner party with some of the, the real genuine characters of Belfast and in fact whenever we were doing the the initial sort of uh, publicity for Jawbox the, the tagline was celebrating true character and all the images that are used I mean we have some really really amazing barmen in this city who are fantastic and are genuinely really amazing ambassadors for the city um, and Visit Belfast does a brilliant job Tourism Ireland does a brilliant job for the city so we have, we have a lot of really good people working to, to bring Belfast forward Cool and do you have a favourite part or place in Belfast? I have a favourite street. 
Go for it's, it. Cool. It's, for some reason, um, of all of Belfast, there's one street that really stands out for it, and that's University Square. Um, and as a kid, well, when I say a kid, when I was 16, I served a bit of time as a plasterer. And there's a wall at the bottom of University Square, which I plastered, which is still there. <laughs> um, and so if I'm out sort of socialising around the, the Queen's area, I have a tendency to point it out to my mates and go, I done that, that's my wall. Unbelievable. Um, and I remember, and I have a, a really lovely memory of, because I live in the area, and I would always walk up University Square, and the, the, the each individual house used to have one of those automatic lights that when you approach them, they light up. And if I had been out and maybe socialised longer than what I intended, um, <laughs> and I was walking up University Square to go home, and each light would come on, and I always said, they're getting me home. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I always got, uh, it was many, many, many years ago, but I always, always remember that. So, and plus the fact that it's an absolutely beautiful street, Queen's University on one side, and these really Victorian houses who I was told once used to be the Hardy Street of Belfast. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was, I was told. And they really are beautiful, beautiful buildings. Brilliant. What's next for Jawbox Gin? Anything on the cards? Well, we're, we're doing, obviously, there's a lot actually. We're with a new pot still being installed early next year, uh, which we hope then that'll increase our production so that we can ask go to the States um, and we're starting to get a lot of inquiries from around different parts of the world. Uh, it's brilliant at the minute because we're already um, exporting to Canada and France okay. and other smaller places in Europe. Um, but obviously the States is going to be a big, big sort of job for us and we're getting ready and building up for that there. We're also working on a couple of variants. Um, don't want to say too much about that, but watch this space. So we've still that's still really exciting times for, for Jawbox. Absolutely, um, Jerry. How can our listeners connect with you or connect to Jawbox Gin? Other than going and picking up one on the shelf. <laughs> well, most most importantly, pick one on the shelf and uh, and enjoy it. Uh, but we're across social media, um, and I think everything's more or less Jawbox Gin on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. And the webpage is simply uh, com, and you'll find a lot of information on the website. Brilliant, Jerry. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really Thank appreciate you. it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Matthew. Cheers, now. All right, guys, Matthew here again real quick, just before we end the show. Just want to give another massive big thanks to Jerry for taking his time out to share his Jawbox story. If you guys would like to get email updates whenever new shows go live, you can check out our website, uh, bestbelfast.org. You can sign up for our newsletter there. We only email once a month, no spam, no sales funnel, nothing like that. Or you guys can, of course, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, blah, 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 blah. All the places that you guys listen to your podcasts. want to also give a big massive thank you and shout out to Wanderers uh, for providing intro and outro music for their awesome song, Light It Up. You can check them out on Instagram at WanderersNI or you can also check them out on YouTube and Spotify. Other than that, guys, I'll just wish you Happy New Year once again. I mean, we're beating a dead horse at this point, but I do genuinely mean it. I appreciate you taking your time to listen to the show and for checking out the local stories that make our city what it is. So guys, my name is Matthew, this is the Best of Belfast podcast, and until next time, all the very best.
little bite it up 